Our most significant opportunity is our most significant challenge in that um, we have a really unique structure as an organization. So we are a multi-site organization, non-affiliate, non-franchise. So all of our locations, all of our 15 locations and 3,500 kids uh, engaged in the program are under one umbrella. And so that's an extremely efficient and impactful model where we have consistent program operations, consistent high quality curriculum delivery, and we're able to leverage systems quite effectively to increase the impact that we have in each of the communities where we operate. Are you looking for ways to shorten your marketing learning curve and help your organization survive and thrive? Welcome to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast, a show for purpose-focused leaders who want to use marketing techniques to fuel their organization's growth. If you're a returning listener and you haven't subscribed already, we'd love to have you. Also, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now here's your host, author and marketing specialist, Stu Swinefort. Hey, Relish This Podcast listeners. My guest today is Seth Ehrlich, and he is the executive director of SOS Outreach, which is this really cool program that brings kids into the mountains, teaches them to ski, gives them access to a mentor who helps with uh, their kind of training and uh, leadership growth. They take kids through this program from fourth grade uh, on through high school and beyond uh, to really help them become great leaders and give them opportunities that they may not have had otherwise. It's a really cool organization. I hope you check it out. This show was super fantastic. Obviously, as a mountain man myself, I'm fully engaged with organizations that uh, that are doing this kind of work and bringing people into the outdoors and letting them you know, have these experiences at an early age. We chatted a lot about just the program itself, how it's structured, some of the things that they've had challenges with in the past, how to create relationships with all of your stakeholders. It's a really, you know, fun, informative conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Good afternoon, Seth. How are you today? I am great. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. It's a beautiful day up here in the Netherland, Colorado area. We got a little, little bit of snow earlier. We're recording this in kind of mid-October, and it, it started to think about snowing, but now it's sunny out again. So, <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, winter's definitely right around the corner, and I love this time of year. Leaves are still orange for, the as- for some of the aspens, and yet you're seeing the snow start to fall, and resorts are talking about opening. So this is uh, an exciting time of year for me. Yeah, for sure. I know a basin opened earlier this week or last week, and I think I heard maybe Keystone or Loveland or somebody is going to follow follow very closely behind. We certainly have had a little bit of snow, but it's mostly gone at this point. Hoping some some fresh is around the corner. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then the resorts will start opening uh, like dominoes. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and we'll be in business. So SOS Outreach, you do a ton of stuff for kids out in the outdoors, including a lot of winter sports stuff. Tell uh, the audience and me a little bit more about what you guys have going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'm Seth Ehrlich, Executive Director of SOS Outreach, and uh, I have uh, worked at the organization and been fortunate to call this uh, my professional home for about 15 years now. And in that time have... uh, really engaged in some significant growth and development for uh, the organization. 
So we are a 28-year-old organization founded on Vail Mountain in 1993. And core highlight of SOS is that we use the power of individual recreation, particularly skiing and snowboarding, to build strong relationships between adults and kids, uh, strong mentoring relationships. And then we engage uh, service to the community and leadership development to really set kids up to thrive long-term in their lives. And it's again, it's all about that power of the outdoors to change the trajectory of youth facing challenges in their lives. Oh, that's just great. And it's, you, you said you were founded on Vail Mountain. That's uh, a beautiful place to ski. Who are the types of kids that you work with typically? Uh, absolutely. So we are, uh, SOS is uh, currently 3,500 kids who we engage uh, across 15 locations. And so we have programs from Seattle to Detroit and largest centers of operation are in Colorado, Utah, and, and Lake Tahoe. So the destination uh, ski communities, ski and snowboard communities. But the kids who we partner, we work with, we work very closely with youth agencies and schools. So partner organizations in each of the communities where we are. They're the organizations who know the kids. They're the organizations who have an ongoing relationship with them. And so we work with them and, and train our teachers and our counselors on the impact of SOS, of the progression of our curriculum, and then they identify the kids who this can really benefit from. Most notably, a lot of our kids are the ones who are excluded from uh, the community, and they do not have a community that they naturally fall into. And those are the kids who uh, are really attracted to SOS and who benefit the most from it. Particularly in mountain communities, we see a lot of English as a second language, mm -hmm. low-income uh, participants, children of color, first generation in the U.S., these are the kids who are excluded from what is the mountains and they're excluded from being a part of what is the mountain community. And they really stand to benefit the most. Yeah, for sure. How do those programs work in areas that aren't, aren't located near mountains? I'm guessing Detroit is a little, <laughs> a little less inclined to have mountains nearby. It is less inclined and it operates very similarly. Uh, so uh, Detroit, there's a uh, resort Mount Brighton, about an hour, 45 minutes uh, outside of the city. And so it's the same opportunity. It's different for the experience mm -hmm. in that we're working with the same kids. We partner with the same schools and agencies. What's different about a Detroit or a Chicago or a Seattle is that a lot of the kids don't even know that this is out there. So in the mountain communities, it's very clear. A lot of their parents or connections or friends are working in the resort industry, they also physically see it. They look outside their school building in a lot of cases, and they're going to see the mountains, they're going to see the hills, and they know that this is not something for them that's been brought to their attention time and time again. And so they have an affinity to it or have an awareness to it. In the cities, it's the same thing though, same target for kids, same opportunity of how to break down the barriers that, that are real and perceived for kids to get into these sports and into these activities so that they can build those strong relationships with each other and with adults. Uh, but it's different because they didn't even know that Mount Brighton is 45 minutes from where they are in downtown Detroit. They didn't know that, you know, Wilmot or Afton is just outside of Chicago or Minneapolis or that Summit at Snoqualmie is just outside of Seattle. I mean, it's just not even in their worldview of knowing that this is a, an opportunity for them. Wow, that's amazing. So you mentioned that you partner with some other organizations to kind of identify uh, kids. Or what are some of the organizations that, that you and SOS Outreach partner with to get people into your programs? Yeah, absolutely. In the mountain communities, uh, we work with school districts. 
uh, most specifically. Uh, so we'll work with Eagle County school districts in the Vail Valley or Summit County school districts in uh, Summit County, Utah, or Summit County, Colorado, where uh, Breckenridge and uh, Keystone and Loveland uh, and Copper and a basin are mm-hmm. in the cities. We're working more with youth agencies. So this is big brothers, big sisters, boys and girls clubs are two of the largest partners who we engage with. And the reasoning that the impact is the same, it's just different partner who we're working with. And the reason for that is our ability in mountain communities, the school districts are smaller. And so we really can have one relationship and engage all of the schools in summit County, Colorado, all the schools in Eagle County, Colorado, when you get into a city school district, Chicago public schools, Denver public schools, I mean, even at scale of a lot of kids going, it's still a pretty small program in, in the grand scheme of, of what a Chicago public schools would be looking at for a program partner across the entire district. So we've really found a niche of, of how do we identify those more geolocated, you know, the, the sites working in one or two communities where we can build that really strong long-term relationship with the agency and also with the kids involved, because that's where our curriculum thrives. Yeah, that's great. So tell me a little bit more about the curriculum and the program itself is, you know, there's a mentor component to it. Correct. Which sounds, you know, similar to big brothers, big sisters. Mm -hmm. Tell us all a little bit more about how it works. Yeah. The primary target for SOS is that we start in fourth grade, and that program is an introduction to skiing and snowboarding uh, through professional lessons and everything that kids need to participate. Uh, They're going to get five days on mountain, uh, and it's also an introduction to core values and values-based learning. Core to everything that SOS does are our six core values of courage, discipline, integrity, wisdom, compassion, uh, and humility. And those six core values touch all of what we do. So we start in that year one program. It's building the community of kids who do not have it, building their connection into the mountains uh, through professional instruction, and then building their connection to a values-based learning experience. Then years two through five, so that's fifth grade through eighth grade, our mentor program comes into play. So the kids are four kids to one adult mentor. So it's a group-based mentoring model. Okay. They're getting a, at least a 10-day pass product, if not a season pass. They own their equipment, so they get to take it home. And they're going to do one day a month on mountain as a mentor group with targeted conversation about goal setting and where they're going. And then also one day a month off mountain with progressive service and leadership experiences as they work through and as they age from fifth through sixth through seventh through eighth grade. Examples of those, you know, in fifth and sixth grade, they do more group-based service projects. So bell ringing for the Salvation Army, uh, food pantry, food drives uh, for the the local food banks. Okay. When they get into seventh grade, uh, so year four of the program, year three of the mentor program, they're actually identifying a community issue. And whatever that issue is that's important to them, they're creating a project to address that issue. And for us, we just facilitate the conversation. It really is about them finding agency in their lives Mm -hmm. and taking a leadership role and saying, oh, wow, I actually can have an impact and can create change where I live. When we get into eighth grade, so year five of the program, kids, it really is a deep dive into different styles of leadership and different leadership skills that they can develop within themselves to step into leadership roles in the, across their lives. When they graduate from that part of the program and get into high school, ninth through 12th grade, 
that's where they start to demonstrate those skills that they achieved through the previous five years as junior mentors. So they actually are, are paired alongside an adult mentor. So it's one junior mentor, one adult mentor, one group of four kids, and they are co-implementing the curriculum alongside that adult mentor. So it really is this progressive program that takes kids from learning values, learning community, to engaging in community and having agency, to developing life skills, to then implementing those skills as you go through high school. Oh, that's great. And then it, does the program kind of wrap up after high school or are there ongoing? I mean, obviously people could could become uh, mentors uh, after they've been through the program, but are, is there college level kind of continued mentorship that's going on? Stu, great question. Uh, so through, particularly over the past year and through COVID, you know, I mean, we dove deep into the impact of the organization and our opportunities. And over the past year, we've created an alumni network. And so we now have an alumni network. So this is anybody who is above high school, who graduated from our programs, is eligible to be a part of this network. And we are stepping into a space of supporting our kids and engaging with them mm -hmm. into career opportunities. So how can we plug them into careers through our connections, through the industry? And this incorporates internships. This incorporates uh, very targeted career-focused conversations mm -hmm. that we're providing for them, connection within with our donors, with our board members and others. So we've stepped into a new space and are expanding this reach of our programs in an official way. You know, because prior to this and prior to the creation of the alumni network, you know, there'd be five or 10 kids who would call me about at different life uh, decisions that they had. Right. And that would happen with every previous team member of the organization or current team member. Well, that worked, but it also undervalued uh, the opportunities that we can bring. Right. Right. That's incredible. I mean, you, over the course of the 25 years, you know, I'm just looking at some of the stats on your site. I mean, they're, There've been a, a huge number of kids that you've engaged, including and then mentors as well, and and just bringing on volunteers to help with the program. So you're you really have a, a whole host of of different kind of people that you have to get the word out to. You know, not only school districts and perhaps partner agencies, but uh, you know the kids and and then all of the all of the volunteers and mentors in the program as well. Have you found uh, systems that have worked really well for you that get that message out there? No, we have not. <laughs> okay. uh, you're, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. And this is what we're now backing into. Our success to date has been in the local level in the community. I mean, it really is skiing and snowboarding and individual recreation. It's such a powerful place to connect. And our success has been in that mostly in-person connection and the community that gets formed around the sports and the real genuine connection that gets fostered by it. What we're developing and what we're strengthening is how to then connect. And this is where the alumni network is a part of it. Uh, but it's also, you know, how are we communicating with broader audience? How are we communicating to the communities where we call home and are working? Uh, and then there's also the larger communication to the industry. So we're developing this we certainly have a lot of lessons and a lot more work to do. Sure. What seems to be the biggest challenge is it, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty with, as with any nonprofit that there's always, always a, a lot of different things that are opportunities, but also, you know, maybe getting in your way. Is it a money issue? Is it a, 
What's the biggest uh, challenge you face on a kind of day-to-day basis? Our most significant opportunity is our most significant challenge in that um, we have a really unique structure as an organization. So we are multi-site organization, non-affiliate, non-franchise. So all of our locations, all of our 15 locations and 3,500 kids uh, engaged in the program are under one umbrella. And so that's an extremely efficient and impactful model where we have consistent program operations, consistent high quality curriculum delivery, and we're able to leverage systems quite effectively to increase the impact that we have in each of the communities where we operate. The challenge that's associated with that model is that we're not local, and this is quite rare in the nonprofit community. Uh, you know, even the national organizations operate with a franchise focus. Uh, so the local organization or the local representative of the national effort is a local franchise that has a local board and a local executive director and local communications and engagement. Well, our local engagement is our program team. I mean, that's who we have in our communities and high impact, high partnership value. We're engaging with the mountain resorts in, in an effective way and using the power of mountains to change the trajectory of kids' lives. And there's a presence that we don't have because of our structure in that local community that we need to overcome. And that's what we're working on. Gotcha. So you have your mentor base and perhaps a few people in each kind of area, but not that infrastructure that, uh, that takes care of, of all of the outreach and organization and all of that stuff. That sounds like that may be kind of tackled remotely. Correct. Well, it's, it's tackled centrally and it and, and that is, you know, that that's, what's been our success because it's one point of contact it's for mountain resorts or otherwise across multiple locations or for in-kind donations of jackets, pants, goggles, gloves, hat, all of that can be managed through one call. It's also leveraging one system. I mean, we, we just have one chief fundraiser and we're able to bring uh, one national program director who's overseeing all, all of the sites in our curriculum. Also, we're able to leverage higher uh, quality evaluation and fidelity metrics in place because we're able to, to, to leverage that across all of our sites. Right. And in the nonprofit community, I mean, it's quite rare to operate in multiple sites. I mean, uh, very often uh, the nonprofit community is, it, it's, it's very engaged deeply in the community. And uh, we are absolutely within our programs. We're not within that storytelling and not within that larger engagement as effectively as we could be. Right. So there's certainly a potential opportunity gap there with with that being embedded kind of in in those communities where there's a more of a kind of a local feel to it is that is that what you're you're saying yeah there's an particularly when i reflect on the scale of impact that we have in the communities where we operate when we have uh, uh hundreds of kids in a mentoring program in a community and uh and so there's a big potential for us to be sharing that uh, story, getting more people excited and involved who are not just directly involved in the organization, in the programming. You know, I mean, that audience is easy for us to engage. It's how to then engage that next level of audience who would be excited about what we're doing, who would be advocates for the organization 
And that's a difficult thing to do when we're engaged across 15 locations, you know, and I absolutely, I mean, I 100% believe in it because of the high impact, high efficiency of our model. Mm -hmm. It's navigating through this unique channel in uh, organization structure. And this is the area of challenge that we have. Yeah, I'm sure that there's sort of some expectations in terms of how most nonprofits work that they they do tend to have a, such a local focus or at least a local presence that people kind of are perhaps a little uncertain as to how how to engage <laughs> with you guys given that you have this centralized system that you've established it's kind of an interesting conundrum <laughs> my guess is that you've i mean you've been navigating this for quite some time so you you probably have some things figured out and and in fact the challenges that a lot of nonprofits faced in, in the last couple of years with the pandemic, my guess is, is that you've had systems in place to that that was just your standard operating kind of mode. Is that is that accurate? Well, it's accurate that this has been our, our operating mode. And we do have systems in place and we're strengthening those systems. I mean, part of that, that, that system, um, a big transition that we made over the past 12 months is geographically diversifying the location of our central team. And so having a representatives of our central team strategically placed in locations has helped, um, also, geographically diversifying our board of directors. And so looking at, you know, we can engage this differently. And it really is up to us as to how we we target and address this question. But to your point of the expectation, you're absolutely right. This is what we face because, you know, for a lot of our grant applications or otherwise, it is the executive director who's responding to these when you organizations are reviewing peer grant applications and communities. And we need to recognize that, that that's a difficult thing to do when we're managing across 15 communities for me to be at all of those. <laughs> sure. And so how can we do that with a diversified national team? And then also how can we do that with board of directors to provide that support? So it took some out of the box thinking and say, okay, we can't physically do it that way, but there are other ways that we can approach this. And it really recognizes the strength of the organization to engage across all of these communities. And let's put that to work for us. Yeah. It sounds like having a really strong board has been a kind of a, a key component of, uh, of that program in that you can leverage those local board kind of relationships, uh, to kind of plant you in, in these remote locations. Oh, a hundred percent. Cool. And also how the board to plant is a, is a great analogy in that it's also just having someone in that community and in the community who is thinking about us. So when they see an article in the paper or when they see an opportunity, they're the ones who can help connect the dots that we may not be able to see from a central location. We may not be able to see every daily newspaper that happens to identify an opportunity for the organization to have a program partnership or to engage in a new collaborative that's going on Yeah, that really would benefit and impact our participants. And so having those eyes and ears has helped us significantly. Yeah, that's, that's amazing um, work, actually. 
to have that uh, infrastructure set up that way. I mean, I grew up in Gunnison, uh, Crested Butte's kind of our local ski area. And uh, yeah, I can't imagine that you're reading the Gunnison Country Times every week when it comes out to, to really get get an understanding of what's going on over there. And being able to have people kind of embedded in in that community from a board perspective to just have kind of eyes in that zone is that's a really that's a really interesting way to handle that particular challenge. And it's a work in progress. We're still developing it. We're still engaging with it. I mean, what it's it's taking a lot more centralization and focus and, and being open in the conversations has been incredibly powerful. Yeah, it feels like there's opportunity here. And I'm sure you're you have some elements in play with kind of where, where we call our inspire phase of of audience engagement, where essentially you have people who have participated in the program either as a as a volunteer, a board member uh, youth, uh, participant and just making sure that you have a cadence and a, and a plan for keeping them in the fold so that they become not only you can escalate their engagement, but also have them kind of evangelize for the, for the organization. Do you have systems in place to, to kind of take advantage of, of that? Yeah, well, and that's this alumni network that we created has been a core identification of that. Here we had all of these youth who were engaged in the program, and the program is focused on how we can support them in their transition to first career. Mm -hmm. And so we are focused in that impact. The residual of it, though, is that a lot of our participants have a strong affinity for the program, had strong engagement, and there wasn't an ongoing communication with them. So they lost touch and then you reconnect with them and they say, Oh my gosh, this was an incredibly impactful program for me. And they weren't even empowered to be able to share that story because it was something that they did, not that they are still a part of. Right. And so transitioning that we are hiring more of our alumni back into positions within the organization. Okay. We're targeting mentor recruitment of our alumni you know, we're more successful. We have been more successful on adults because they get moved onto our newsletter list and they become social media contacts of ours. And otherwise Mm -hmm. it really is. We had a big opportunity within our participants and this alumni network is a key way to address that perspective that you shared. Yeah. It sounds like a, a great opportunity for you to just continue the work and then also, you know, leverage these people who've, who've had such a positive experience to, uh, yeah, just to expand that mission. So you also work with some pretty large kind of corporate sponsors. How did those relationships develop and and what have you found to be successful when trying to reach out to kind of these larger uh, corporate donors? So let's see, the relationships developed, I mean, in the same way that our programs developed and in the same way that we have continued to grow the organization in that I mean, it really is powerful and it's a very natural relationship that develops. I mean, our, our partnerships with outdoor industry brands and mountain resorts develop because of the unique structure of SOS and the impact of our programs. And we really provide such a direct connection for them mm-hmm. in that what they do well. So whether that's produce a jacket or turn a chairlift, we provide a really direct connection where they can do what they do well, 
partner with SOS to deliver that. And as a result of that, a participant graduates from high school mm-hmm. who wouldn't have been on that track necessarily and gets involved in the community mm-hmm. and has a direct impact. And so that's been part of our success within the corporate engagement that we've had is that it really overlays in a powerful way versus, you know, organizations selling lift tickets, so to speak, to then make a donation. I mean, we're really working with them in in their space that they're already in, and we overlay within that partnership so effectively. And so these relationships have really developed organically, and a number of organizations have grown with us. I mean, most notably, Vail Resorts, we started on Vail Mountain in 1993 and brought our first kids up to the mountain in 1995. And from that start, we've now expanded to multiple regions with Vail Resorts. Mm -hmm engaging thousands of kids uh, on their mountains. But the same is true with many of our other partners who have, have started with us and who have grown with us because of the impact that they've seen and the opportunity that they've seen. Uh, in terms of outreach to new partners and, and, and additional engagement, so much of that has developed more uh, in the past five to 10 years as we've had a greater handle and understanding of the long-term impact of our program. You know, for us to demonstrate that that we're not just the values-based learn to ski and ride program, mm-hmm. but really as as SOS 10 years ago developed into this long-term model and we have stamped the SOS way in that fourth through 12th grade curriculum, um, that has enabled us to uh, partner with organizations based on the impact that we're having. That's great. So you've been able to demonstrate the success rates and the uh, all of that, and people just see this as as a a really great program that they want to be a part of. That's that's some really good organic growth, which tends to be you know super healthy. And it's great to see how you have partnered with people that are really well aligned with everything that you're doing. I, there there tends to be a challenge at times with organizations kind of chasing money. Mm. And you know, bringing on kind of a corporate engagement that's not not as aligned as it could be. So it, it's really cool to see how you've you know organically grown that program as well as you know managed to to keep it kind of real. I guess would be a, a good way to to phrase that. Yeah, I mean, and and that's we've been very fortunate because of the corporate engagement is core to the delivery of our mission. Mm -hmm. And that's been since day one. And that's a unique structure in the nonprofit space. You know, I mean, so often uh, corporate engagement has is sponsorship of an event or it's a cash contribution back to the organization. I mean, Mm -hmm. no, we're partnering with 25 mountain resorts for lift tickets and rental equipment and instruction to deliver our program. Uh, We're partnering with outdoor industry brands to ensure that all of our kids are warm and dry and we recycle that gear. So it goes out on a Saturday, it'll go back out on a Wednesday and we are moving gear from the Midwest to the Pacific Northwest as season changes and based on schedule. But we're really intentionally and meaningfully engaged with the industry in a powerful way. And all of that work, I mean, it is the the, the outdoors that fosters the strong sense of community and enables us to engage our curriculum 
so that our kids are on a different trajectory. Yeah, that's great. I, I love the economy of that in terms of, of really making sure that you're getting the absolute most out of those, those donations as well. I'm sure that that helps with those conversations when you're approaching, you know, partners just to let them know that you're, you're kind of squeezing every, every ounce of juice out of, out of that, that engagement. Absolutely. When I finally learned what a logistics company does five years ago, uh, a game changer for us. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, because, because it is. I mean, one, one of our growing pains uh, was that we would have gear in a storage unit or a closet or someone's basement, and it would just be used for one group of kids. Well, that's incredibly challenging. Yeah. And how can we leverage it? Because it's all about looking at this. And this is where the benefit of the national model that we offer, this is what we bring to the table. We're able to, to really maximize the engagement of our partners to impact. Right. No, that's, that's fantastic. Are you doing things in shoulder seasons and, and in the summers as well? What, what's the program look like not during ski season? Absolutely. So our program is a, a school year based program is the core program that we offer. Okay. And so once kids get into year two and above, it stretches out through the whole school year for that mentor relationship. So we're recruiting and registering in September. Our first program days and first service days are in October and they're meet and greets with their, their mentor. So we're really working from. September through May in year two and above, clearly in year one, where it's just the on-mountain experience, the values based on mountain experience, that would be in November, December, January, February, March, Right. some sessions in April. Uh, so the engagement stretches out so that we're really stretching out and maximizing the opportunity that we have to create impact and deliver our curriculum. In the summertime, this is where we're focused on not... Uh, broad scale, engaging all of our participants in the program. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of great summer organizations out there and got a lot of great summer programs. So we'll partner with them and we will have opportunities for our kids to go on backpacking trips or climbing indoor climbing programs. You know, it just depends on the community where we operate. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to identify engagement opportunities so that SOS stays front of mind to our agencies and to our participants during that summertime. And so we'll identify opportunities in partnership with organizations who are already doing the work in communities. We're bringing them a great group already engaged, already a community created around it. And really, a, it's, a, it's a great partnership opportunity. Uh, that sounds great. I'm, I'm excited to, to hear that, that it, it you know, continues during the non-snow uh, portion of the year I mean that, that you guys are staying top of mind. That that's something that we also see is a challenge with nonprofits is really making sure that they're able to, you know, to keep in contact, have mechanisms by which they're constantly reaching out and, and letting people know what's going on with, with the program and having something kind of happening. So it's great to hear that you've managed to, to kind of expand that throughout the year. Mm -hmm. During the course of your 25 years, what are some of the things that you've seen happen that, that you weren't expecting that you were able to overcome through either, you know, dips in donations during, you know, tough economic years or, you know, things like that? Have you, I'm, I'm sure you've weathered some of those storms, but what's been effective? 
Uh, <laughs> what's been effective for us, I mean, yes, I mean, through 08, 09, through the past year, uh, well, year and a half now, you know, what's been most effective to us is leaning even further into the recipe that is SOS. And that is a combination between this in-kind partnership with uh, mountain resorts and providers. And so securing those resources, which then enables us to fundraise really for the curriculum and the impact. So we're not fundraising to buy lift tickets or to buy a jacket. We're fundraising to be able to deliver our curriculum, to deliver our leadership development, our service learning projects and otherwise. And that has helped us significantly in those challenging years to demonstrate the direct impact of dollars to the impact that we're having on youth and, and in our communities. And particularly with the, the participants who we engage, I mean, our participants are the first to be impacted mm -hmm. and they need, you know, when, when we're facing these challenges in fundraising or otherwise and the economic challenges, the more significant issue is that the youth who were engaging in their families are, they were hit first and they were far more significantly impacted. Right. And it's our role. It's been my role in those spaces to engage with our partners as deeply as possible to understand that now more than ever, we can't step back from our commitment to these kids. Yeah, absolutely. It's been interesting. I'm on the board of a couple of different nonprofits and, and then I've also had many of these kinds of conversations over the course of the, of the last year with nonprofit leaders like you. And there doesn't seem to be a standard trend. I know I've spoken with a couple of people who are in the outdoor kind of nonprofit space. And one of the trends that they saw were some of these corporate par partners really stepping up in terms of their engagement and their involvement, where some of the smaller partners weren't able to contribute as much as they would have liked or, or even perhaps at all. A lot of the larger donors made up the gaps. And then in, in some other, and again, this is all kind of, you know, not uh, not scientific here at all. I'm just a couple of different uh, observations, but the the larger donations from individual donors tended to drop, but the number of individual donors went went way up. So people were still wanting to engage and and still want to engage and and be part of a of a nonprofit a nonprofit success. It seems like it's just an interesting. It's an interesting challenge kind of working both ends of that. We're trying to build up individual donors, smaller donations, but more of them. And while continuing to kind of lean on on some of those corporate sponsors, like some of the great people that you have in your in your plan that have had, you know, decent years because people are flocking to the outdoors. It's been really interesting to see that. Have you have you seen one trend or another in over at SOS Out, Outreach? I was just processing through what you said, because it is, I mean, this is the nonprofit juggling act. Yeah. And it is the, the, there is, there is not an answer, you know, and anybody who says we have the silver bullet to <laughs> right. fund development or to fundraising, and we're going to come in and tell you exactly how to do it. It doesn't exist. I mean, it really does come down to, and what I've seen and, and, you know, where we have had success is, the more clarity that we have had on the impact 
that we're making and the importance of our programs in the community, the more success that we have had in engaging meaningfully with our partners. And that's what, you know, what anybody is looking for is to feel a part of something. Yeah. And whether that's a corporate partner, whether that's a program partner, you know, Boys and Girls Club or a school district, whether that's an individual donor who's giving $10 or $10,000, right? you know, how do you foster that sense of belonging and engagement? And it's what we do really powerfully through our programs. And the more that we have thought about this within our supporters, the greater success we have had, particularly through challenging times. You know, we have ensured that we're not just looking transactionally. And this has been a big, this is a big focus for me that I charge our team with is that we're not developing transactional relationships. We are developing true relationships with people being engaged in our programs and being engaged in, in supporting the organization. And that is, has been the success for us. That's what we found is our secret. And it works and it's, it recognizes that there's shifts. Yeah. Some people give more, some people give less. Sometimes you see differences. However, it works. Yeah. It's interesting. I was on another podcast as a guest earlier today. And one of the things that we did talk about was kind of marketing as relationship building and how important it is to create authentic relationships with with all of your constituents. And if that means just reaching out to people and, you know, asking them how they're doing and just being truly, you know, compassionate and concerned about their well-being, compassion being one of your core values mm-hmm. over there at SOS Outreach, you know, that that's the stuff that kind of pays off in the long term because you're really establishing a system of caring as opposed to just trying to you know, get something from somebody. And I know that, that, that outreach, particularly coming from an executive director, just, just picking a few people to reach out to on a regular basis, you know, regardless of the size of their, their contribution to your organization can be an incredibly, incredibly powerful thing as a, as just a relationship building component of, of what you do. And then getting really good at sharing those stories. I think that people have a, a real challenge. You know, I'm, I'm actually looking at your at your core values again. Humility is in there, right? And it feels braggy sometimes, but when nonprofits can get good at sharing those successes and, and being okay with with that, you know that that's what brings people. People want to be part of something that's that's working and and helping others. And so, really figuring out how to tell those stories is a great thing to do. Uh, you just, I mean, two things. One is, uh, on the storytelling, this is a, this is where that challenge we discussed earlier for the organization is there is so much happening across each of our communities. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just makes my head spin in such an amazing way. I mean, kids who had never seen stars before until they got up and and outside of Chicago and, and got to the mountain to see it. Mentors who are being called by kids to, write a letter of reference for for them to be the first in their family to go to college in Tahoe. I mean, just amazing stories that happen. And so how do we bring this forward? Because we're telling this across all of the these communities. Mm-hmm. And also the impacts are really local. And we've had to uh, work very closely in, in aligning our, our content and aligning our, our storytelling. But also how do we capture the individual? Because each of these individual stories 
should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And they are so core to who SOS is. So that's, we're, we're still working through that. The other side of it is on the relationship side. And this is, you know, for me personally, I have one of the best jobs in the world. <laughs> and I just get to engage with incredible people who are dedicated, compassionate, and committed in such a powerful way. And I get to work with them on how do we expand the mission of SOS further. Right. Yeah. That's, I, I love when I get to talk to people who, who love what they do. And it's, it's one of the things that I celebrate (laughs) on a daily basis is I truly, I truly love what I'm doing. And I guess I'll, I, I can share this story a little bit. You know, one of the reasons we really enjoy working with nonprofits over here at Relish Studio, which is the company I'm a co-founder of, is because we're helping people make the world a better place in, in some kind of small capacity, even. Um, you know, we're, we're helping maintain a website that helps, helps further a mission. And one of the illustrations of this was I was working for Wish for Wheels, which is a local nonprofit here in the Denver area. I think they, yeah, they're, they're Colorado based. And I think that their impact is, is currently, uh, here in the state. And it was Memorial Day weekend and it was beautiful outside. And it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. And we had, you know, kind of a deadline that we were working on for them because they had a big push coming up. And I recognized that I was not upset about doing this. And so that was like this, like, Oh, neat. I've kind of found this, this niche. And so really, you know, I would say, and I'm sure that you, your mentors help kids kind of suss through this a little bit as well as, you know, really, truly finding something that's your calling and that's your, that gives you that kind of joy just to show up every day is, is such an important piece. And it's really cool to hear that you're, that you have that in your life as well as, uh, are bringing that hopefully to, uh, to your participants as well. Oh yeah. I, yes, I am incredibly fortunate and I just, I, I have found my calling and I love it and I get to travel to amazing places and again, work with just some of the most inspiring people who push me every day to, to, uh, improve and to strengthen, uh, my own personal outreach and then also organizations to increase our impact. Yeah, that's fantastic. What's next for SOS Outreach? Are you trying to expand to more locations? Are you trying to just be able to reach more kids? I'm sure that that's always part of the the mission. What what are the kind of the the biggest things on your on your, you know, f- five-year plan? The focus for us is how do we uh as is continuing to increase the depth of our programs in the locations where we are. And so this is, uh, uh, really focused on expanding the mentor program in our existing locations and expanding the number of kids who are involved in our existing locations so that we can expand the reach of, of, of SOS. That it goes along with growth of our alumni network. And so we are really targeted on increasing the number of alumni actively involved in the program. And then third tier of this and in increasing impact is in increasing a career development pipeline. Uh, so we launched a, an internship program, a career development program in Denver mm-hmm. uh, this summer with uh, five kids who started with a two-week classroom-based experience that we led curriculum on job skills that they were not picking up otherwise. And then they went into 
five-week paid placements with our partners. And so our focus is to expand that to additional locations where we operate so that there's more of a direct connection for our high school and early post-high school kids Mm -hmm. into careers. And we're a part of that runway. Yeah, that sounds great. How are you developing those relationships with potential internship opportunities? And and is it kind of aligned with your your partnership outreach? It is. It absolutely is aligned with our partnership outreach. Yeah, we absolutely are aligned with our partnership outreach. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it that's the coolest thing. I mean, we already have the partners mm-hmm. that are there and this is just the next generation of that relationship. Right. It really is. It's a, it's a natural progression. You know, here they are investing in the organization and this gives provides an opportunity for them to take the next stage of that investment by, again, what they already do. They hire people Mm -hmm. and they have positions. And how can we be the, you know, one of those individuals or our participants be one of those individuals who they're then hiring? Well, and they're invested in this program. So they, they, you would hope feel pretty strongly about the, (laughs) the benefits that you're bringing to uh, these lives and, and these individuals, you know, who are going to be better, you know, better long-term leaders in their, in their organizations, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. For people who are seeking out this kind of, of opportunity, either for, for their kids or as a mentor, what are the outreach components? I mean, are the kids obviously get contact through, through the schools and then some of these other programs that they may be involved in? Where do mentors find out about you typically? Mentor, well, most significant mentor recruitment is existing mentors and volunteers. Okay. The people who are already with us uh, are the ones who know the program and they recruit their friends or contacts to get involved in the organization. Uh, So first stage is there. Then... I mean, again, particularly in the communities where we operate, we're, we offer something quite unique. So by being able to push it out, whether that's through human resources departments or through more general postings uh, in local publications, uh, the, you know, the dailies that exist in mountain communities or electronically in, uh, in urban communities, to be able to, to highlight, well, you can mentor through something you're passionate about been a pretty easy sell for us to date. Yeah. You know, here you like to ski and snowboard and you can go ski and snowboard with kids in a powerful mentoring way. We're going to provide you with the guided conversation. We're going to train you. Mm-hmm. We're going to make this as effective as possible so that you can really step into it and be successful. It's been a pretty easy engagement point for us. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, inspiring your current crew to kind of just spread that word and, and, you know, clearly they're having a good experience. So they're sharing that with, with their friends who, you know, it just, it, it just, that's just such a natural build, uh, in that kind of inspire phase of engagement. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're pretty consistently asking those mentors and, and, you know, people who are engaged to share, uh, their experiences with, uh, with their friends and family. Absolutely. (laughs) You're not kidding whatsoever. Uh, Yeah, I mean, because we are, you know, our first uh, recruitment tool when we do have program expansion 
is through our existing network. And that's our existing program graduates. Mm-hmm. So marketing to them, they know the program better than anyone. And, and if they're in a position to re-engage as a mentor, it's incredible. And we have grown that percentage of mentors who are program graduates. And we're focused on that moving forward. But then also we are going to let our existing mentors know, hey, we'd love to have you. You know, we're, we're growing this. You know, the impact help us to reach these numbers because the kids who are involved would benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a natural, a natural ask. And it's, it's great to hear that you're, that you're doing that. There are a number of people out there who feel nervous about that ask, but it's just such a, you know, this is such a kind of a no brainer that it's, it's good to, good to hear you engaging in that, in those activities. So I'm just fascinated by by your program. I think it's amazing. I, I love, you know, as you might imagine, I'm a big snow sports guy. I'm a big outdoors guy living up here in the Netherlands area. So it's really great to to hear how you're helping provide some positive impacts to kids and and even mentors who are, you know, who could benefit from that. I think that there's a lot that comes from from being a mentor that you may not be kind of focusing on here with your program. I mean, the kids are the kind of the heroes in this or in that they're, they're the ones who are going through it and, and growing and learning and, and getting this great experience. But, you know, I've found that when I can help teach someone something that it helps me grow as a person as well. So you're certainly impacting those individuals also. So it's great to see how you, have this kind of uh, influence on on people's lives, particularly in in the outdoor space. I'm really excited to hear how things go as you expand the program. I love that you're spending some time building out the alumni program. That's fantastic, and then expanding it into you know more career focused uh, stuff after graduation from high school. That's that's great. Where can people find out more about about what you guys are doing and, and get involved? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, SOSoutreach.org is the best place to go. Uh, that's where you know you can link to our social channels. You can see about the alumni network and also uh, about our programs, but then also see opportunities to get involved, whether volunteering, mentoring, uh, contributing. Uh, you know, and as you were talking, Stu, it just hit me. You know, in and uh, as we're wrapping up here, just uh, the power of really taking the time to listen and then to act on what you're hearing. And that's been core to SOS from day one. You know, our model didn't start out in this defined fourth grade through 12th grade progressive model really focused on the outcomes that we saw. I mean, it started out just with introduction to the mountain mm-hmm. and we heard from the kids, Hey, what's next? And we co-created this curriculum with the kids to respond to what they were looking for. And more than anything, they were really looking for a continued community in the outdoors that was accelerating their personal skills. And that's what we responded to them with. And it's the same thing as you talk about with mentors or with donors or with volunteers. I mean, that's what's been so special about SOS and what I just love as we've worked through it. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm excited to hear more about it as things continue to move on and you grow into your your next 25 years. And, you know, one of the things I I love having these conversations and, and talking with people who are passionate about what they're doing who are bringing kids into the outdoors. I think that that's a big, I mean, that's how we're going to, to help 
try and fix some of the challenges that we're experiencing these days is getting people out there and, and enjoying it and allowing them to share their experiences with others. You know, so it's fun to talk about that stuff, but I also really want people to take action. And so when people have heard our show today, what would you like for them to do in terms of taking action? I would love for them to follow us on social media and as a minimum to get involved and to really stand in our corner uh, for the impact and saying that you believe in the opportunities that exist for our participants to grow in five and then take the next step. If you overlay within one of our communities, engage with our local program team as to how you can get involved through something that you're passionate about. And if it's not through SOS, if it's not in, in one of our communities, I mean, really reflect on what are some opportunities to engage through your passion? Because there are so many different ways that you can do this with organizations in the communities where you are. And if you're able to engage with your passion, it's amazing how natural the connections are and how much further it takes your involvement uh, and how much further you open up new opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise if you just got involved with the organization more out of obligation. Yeah, I love it. I think that that's something that you know everyone can apply to their lives is just find something that you're passionate about and then give back a little bit in that zone. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Seth. It was super great hearing more about SOS Outreach and hearing you know what you've accomplished over over the last you know twenty five years total and your tenure there as executive director. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Uh, great to connect with you, Stu. Have a great day. All right, you too. And there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks again for listening. You can find past episodes of the show at relishthis.org. And remember. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on purpose marketing, grab your free copy of my book, Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. Get your copy now at missionuncomfortablebook.com. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week, won't you?